Hi, this is Dr. Michael Crupain, and today we'll be mapping timed eating on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix special nutrition therapy series where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the functional matrix. Better yet, the functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in clinical care. Everything in the body is connected. We are all unique and all the things we do, all the things, they matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Michael Crupain. Dr. Crupain is the medical director of the Dr. Oz Show and chief medical officer of ShareCare. He is board certified in preventive medicine, a fellow of the American College of Preventive Medicine, and part-time faculty at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Prior to joining the Dr. Oz Show, Dr. Crupain directed food safety testing as Consumer Reports. He is an Emmy Award-winning producer, served on a USDA advisory committee, and Dr. Crupain cooks every single day. Dr. Crupain, it's an honor to have you here on the 15-Minute Matrix. Great to be here. So you are a medical master of many things, but most particularly, or perhaps most recently, what to eat when. You articulate the science behind timed eating, and I'm wondering if you can start us out by explaining the science of when. Yeah, so it all really starts with our circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. right? And our circadian rhythm is our body's clock, and we usually think about our circadian rhythm as regulating our sleep cycle or something that uh, gets messed up when we have jet lag. Mm. But what we've learned over the last uh, number of years and is sort of learning more and more is that our circadian rhythm regulates just about everything in our body, from the way our skin works to the way our hormones work and including our metabolism. Yep. So our metabolism actually changes throughout the day. And it's designed really, our circadian rhythm is really sort of a smart system, really designed to make our bodies run more efficiently, right? So it's designed to get our body ready to do the right thing at the right time. So when you think about our metabolism, it, evo it evolved with us to get us ready to eat and ready to fast so that we could conserve energy because once upon a time, we didn't have 24-hour access to food. Right. So, right, so it, it's set up so that our body is sort of ready to eat more early and eat less later because later in the day is it would be getting dark and we'd have to go to sleep and we'd be expected to fast. Nowadays, again, we can do whatever we want. But so it changes our metabolism and sets, up, sets it up so that it's more ready to sort of process carbohydrates and, and foods earlier in the day and then more shifting into ready to burn fats because that's our main storage form of energy, right, at night. 
so interesting because I always say if we're not sleeping, we're not pooping, and our blood sugar isn't balanced, then it's hard to pass go with our health goals. And sleep is so important and so dysregulated. And then what you're talking about are the ways that we eat in relation to how we are or are not sleeping. What I also love that you talk about, Dr. Krupain, is kind of a difference between timed eating versus intermittent fasting, because at least as it seems to me, timed eating can be more individualized as a solution versus a theory that may not work for each of our clients or patients due to a number of factors from risks to stress to sleep to their current physiological or psychological state of being. Is there a difference in your findings between timed eating and what we now culturally think of as intermittent fasting? I say yes and no. I think I think they're very related, but I think the way most people sort of culturally do intermittent fasting is wrong, sort of from a biological perspective. I, I used to do it sort of not on purpose, but I did it totally wrong for many, many years, right? And again, it really has to do with our circadian rhythm. And our circadian rhythm is set by the sun. Mm-hmm. Right? Every day, it's a 24-hour clock to the sun regulates. We can't escape that even, again, as we try. Um, and it's, it sets our body up, as I was saying, to sort of eat at certain times and fast at certain times. Uh, it'll be more efficient when we're doing that. And so a lot of people think about intermittent fasting as just sort of not eating for a, a long period of time. Right. But, <laughs> right? but it's, it's really, if you want to do it right, it's, it's about not eating during the time when you shouldn't be eating, right? So you shouldn't be eating while you're sleeping. We Most people haven't figured out how to do that yet. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Um, but when the, we like to say that you should eat more early and less later, because again, that's when our body is better primed for that. We can talk more about why, um, and you should eat less in the evening and, and fast overnight so that you're getting, you know, on average, you would be getting about a 12 hour fast by eating with the sun. Um, and there's some data that suggests if you can extend it to a little longer, it it may be helpful for some people. Uh, 14 hours, 16 hours. That's really in animal studies and the benefit is small, Right. Um, but, but maybe there. What I see people doing is often starving early in the morning and then packing in the food late. So I am curious to hear you talk about why we are better primed to eat earlier in the day. I mean, when we step back and think about it, it makes sense. But can you talk about the science of that part of the when, the early in the day? Yeah, so there's a couple of things to it, and we're still really learning about it. It again, all of this starts with animal studies where they show that when animals eat within the 12 hour, usually mice and rats, when they eat in this 12 hour window when they're supposed to be active, they are protected from things like a high fat diet, uh, the, the sort of consequences of that, or they, uh, and sort of fruit flies, when they eat in that window, they actually. Uh, live longer and stay younger for longer. Their hearts work better. They fly better. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, but in humans, what we, what we know for sure is that insulin resistance changes throughout the day. So you are most sensitive to insulin early in the day hmm. and least sensitive at night. So someone who is sort of normal and doesn't have diabetes or prediabetes, many people actually become, if you were to test their blood sugar and their insulin resistance at night, many people become insulin resistant in the evening because that's part of what's happening with our circadian rhythm. Our respiratory quotient, which is a sort of this measure of how we digest fuel sources, carbohydrates and fat changes throughout the day. It's sort of, again, sort of set to digest carbohydrates early in the day and digest fat 
uh, later in the day. And the, what happens is if glucose is our preferred form of energy, we eat uh, those sugars uh, early in the day or throughout a lot of the day, and then we store some of it as glycogen. Right. Uh, if we can burn through that, we'll switch into burning fat again, mm -hmm. which is prime to do, which is ketosis. Right. So when you sort of, when you eat uh, this way and you don't overload on carbohydrates, but we, there's nothing wrong with them from my perspective, you can actually switch from burning carbs to burning fat. And there's a theory that this metabolic switch that could happen in the evening, you know, depending on, again, your sort of baseline, uh, maybe how old you are different. For me, after about 16 hours, I, I'm in ketosis that switch of fuels activates protective mechanisms. So we know that, again, in animals, that when uh, you have an animal fasting, if you create a, a model of a stroke in an animal, they have much less damage than an animal that hasn't been. And it's believed because there's factors like BDNF and other protective factors that are activated by that fuel switch. So <laughs> that's one thing. Now, I guess the other, other thing we know from some human studies is that when you put people on a diet, if you feed them the exact same number of calories, but change the time you feed them those mm. calories, you actually see something different. So we always traditionally say a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, um, but actually it may depend on when you eat it. So there's a good study from Spain where they put people on, on a diet and they looked at when did they have their largest meal of the day. So in Spain, lunch is typically the largest meal of the day. And when people had it before three o'clock compared to people who had it after three o'clock, those people ate more early and less later, lost 20% more weight. And we've seen, uh, there's a similar study done in the, in the US where they gave people a set number of calories, I think it was 1500 calories. And they either had a 750 calorie breakfast or a 750 calorie dinner and the rest, but the number of total number of calories was the same. And again, they saw about 20% more weight loss than the people who ate those same number of calories early compared to later. Most likely a lot of it ties back to this insulin resistance concept, but there's probably some other things going on there too. We still have to understand. Yeah. And it's interesting to think that there may be some cultural wisdom behind timed eating, right? You mentioned places around the globe that may adopt this just as their regular way of eating. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a little bit of research in that. Not as much as I would like to see, but yes, we sort of see that people who are in these cultures that are eating more early. Now, some like Spain, everyone says, well, they eat really late at night. That, that may be true, but traditionally they eat less at night and more and more early. Uh, but we see sort of less of these metabolic diseases in, in those cultures uh, that are eating more early and less later. And let me add culturally, I think, a point that we really emphasize in, in, our, uh, in our book is that you shouldn't stereotype food. So when we're asking you to eat more early and less later, that doesn't mean that your breakfast should be, you know, like giant bowls of cereal. Right. <laughs> right. Be eating what are relatively healthy foods for breakfast, things that you would probably only eat for dinner. So like one of my favorite breakfasts is whole grain pasta with broccoli. Right. Now, that wouldn't be a traditional breakfast food. Right. Or, <laughs> but to me, it, it is. And um, or a piece of salmon for yep. breakfast if you're into fish so that'd be fine in other cultures like in japan that would be normal to eat fish for breakfast exactly. but uh, in our culture it's not or in some ag agrarian cultures they would eat a lot of vegetables and sort of early before they sort of go to work but that hasn't been part of our culture but it, but it should be and when we think about 
kind of what I call the soup, the center of the matrix and where certain dysfunctions in the body, in the physiology might impact our decisions about what to eat when. Did you see anything particular, let's say with GI dysfunction for people making these decisions? The, the thing that's sort of popping into my mind, looking at, at the matrix is thinking about a microbiome. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that our microbiome also has a circadian rhythm. Exactly. And it changes again throughout the day. And there's some really fascinating research out of Israel. You probably know that the group of Erev and Siegel. Yes, I just interviewed them. Okay, so they they do some amazing work. And they've also studied sort of circadian rhythm and the microbiome and how jet lag affects it and how actually jet lag can lead to changes in microbiome that that seem to be associated with obesity. Yes. Uh, So that's that's one thing. The other thing is we know that as that microbiome changes, the microbiome is so important for how our body works and protecting it and enhancing function for for detoxification, right? So the microbiome and the sort of species present at night are different than those during the day and are associated with things like detoxification at night and, and the sort of growth and the things that happen to your body at night while those during the day are more sort of involved in the active process of running the body and digestion and such. And so but when you start eating out of sync with your circadian rhythm, you're going to throw off that microbiome as well. Yes. And then so many other things, including our metabolism. I mean, it's called rest and digest for a reason. We need to give our bodies that break. If we head over to the right side of the matrix, we've been talking a lot about sleep and the circadian rhythm. Do factors like exercise and stress impact how we might choose what to eat when for ourselves or for our clients and patients? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing, let me say that when you eat with your circadian rhythm, I, personally, I always find myself sleeping better right. uh, and being more relaxed. Yes. There's not a lot of data on that, but that's what we see. Yeah. Um, I know Mike Roizen, my co-author, he feels a lot more energy when he eats uh, the way we recommend. So there's definitely some sort of anecdotal benefits that we hear from lots of people who try this from ourselves. I don't like to be prescriptive. And it sounds like you don't either. Exactly. Um, and um, so that's why we have this concept. Again, it sounds simple, but the concept is eat more early and eat less later. And um, sometimes we, you know, I never really liked eating breakfast, though I've changed. We found, and the literature actually supports it again, that when you change when you eat, your appetite actually changes. So that if you are uh, not a breakfast eater and you suddenly are eating much less at night than you used to, you, you might find that you get hungry earlier and you want to eat breakfast. But again, we're not that prescriptive. So if it doesn't fit into your lifestyle, you just got to, you should do the best that you can. If you're too stressed out to prepare something to eat really early in, earlier in the morning, you know, just eat more early and less later. Try to eat most of your calories before 3 p.m. Uh, you you got to figure out how to make it fit with uh, the way you live your life. I love that. I call that functional empathy, right? We're really understanding, getting out of prescription and what the reality is for each and every individual with our kind of framework of where we're going with our recommendations. This made me think of a question that people ask us a lot that's sort of peripherally related to to this concept is that, you know, some people say, well, my my family won't eat this way if I want to do it or it's antisocial to... uh, eat this way. And I, and I always sort of say, oh, maybe, I mean, we're not, again, we're not saying don't eat at night, you know, we're saying eat less at night. So you can still be social if that's how you socialize. But um, 
I always also say that, if, you know, if you're eating less at night, then you're spending less time chewing and putting food in your mouth. You actually have more time to be social during that window that you're <laughs> traditionally eating. I love that. I think of that, you know, I don't drink alcohol and I still can go out and socialize. And I think about it as opting in. Where do I opt into the situation that I want to be in without having to partake in something I don't want to partake in? We each have to make that decision for ourselves, kind of risk, reward, cost, benefit. Dr. Krupain, you have the ear of thousands of nutritionists at this moment in time. What would be your message to people who are giving advice to others about the what to eat when principles? Uh, I mean, I think they're pretty straightforward. Again, I would think don't be too prescriptive, but the concepts are simple. Eat, eat more early, eat less later, try to eat with the sun. And don't stereotype food. And I think the most important message when you're dealing with real people, right, is that it's okay to mess up. Right. And that's what's kind of cool about eating what we call the when way um, is that we acknowledge that your your circadian rhythm is the key here and it's set by the sun and the sun rises every day. So every day you have a chance to start over and get back on track. I love that. So easy to follow and really uh, just kind and playful. And we can start to shift things in our own bodies and those we serve. Thank you so much, Dr. Kripain. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode by email, please head over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know your feedback, who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can always email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.